0: I invite you to plant your feet on the earth, slow down, tune in, and get ready to create a life of meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wellprinter podcast. This week, we've got another installment in our Real Health Coaches series. I'm speaking with Jill Grunwald. Jill is a health coach who specializes in thyroid and hormonal health in Minnesota, and her business is called Healthful Elements. And in this interview today, we're talking all about how you can build a successful health coaching practice doing one-on-one coaching as an introvert and using writing as a big way to attract clients. So for those of you who just don't really align with a lot of the hype and the craziness around online marketing and that, all that, feel all that pressure to go faster and faster and be successful as quickly as possible, you're really going to like this interview. Jill talks about how she's built her business slowly and steadily using writing in other publications, like in magazines, to get the word out about her business. And Jill also talks about how she uses one-on-one coaching still today to work with her clients. So I know in our Facebook group, the Wellprinter community, there's been a couple pretty intense discussions recently about, can you really make it as a health coach still doing one-on-one coaching? And Jill is here to say and to show an example of, yes, you can, and this is how she did it. So it's really, a really nice behind the scenes look of how Jill has built her business. And I want to say a big thank you to everyone who's downloaded my new book, Wellprinter. So on launch day, now that we've had a chance to get through the launch and actually look back at the results on launch day, we had almost 1800 people download the free version on Kindle, which was so awesome. That was really, really cool. And now the paperback version is finally available. So I'll share this story with you more later. But we had a little bit of a snafu getting the formatting done for the print version. And I just couldn't ethically sell that version without actually having held it in my hands. So now I've seen the print version of the book. I have it right here. The cover, oh my gosh, looks so amazing. And I really think this is the kind of book, even if you love eBooks, which I do and I read almost everything on my Kindle, But sometimes you want a book in hard copy. And I think this is going to be one of those books so that you can really like mark it up and refer back to it as you're building out your marketing. So you can get that print, the paperback version of the Wellprinter book on Amazon. And we'll link up those links in the show notes. But the easiest thing is just to go to your local country's Amazon. So amazon.com or .co.uk or whatever country you're in and just search Wellprinter. And then you should see both the print and the ebook versions available. Now, the week that you're listening to this episode, I am going to be in the Philippines at a really awesome business conference that I am super excited about. And to be honest, after the launch, I'm just feeling so tired and I'm really trying to listen to my body. I took the weekend completely offline, turned off my phone, like did absolutely nothing. And I'm really looking forward to these 10 days in the Philippines to decompress and relax and also get super fired up again with new ideas about my business. Cause I really feel like this book, getting the Wellpreneur book out there, was this huge milestone and and like a landmark I put in place for my business. And now it's like I've turned the corner and I can expand my creativity into these other areas of creating what I want for Wellpreneur. So yeah, so I'm excited about that. So anyway, I'm hoping to share some pictures from the Philippines and of all the awesome people I'm going to be meeting, I think you'll recognize a few of them. So I'll be sharing that on Instagram, which my username is Wellprinter. So I will see you over there. Okay, so let's get into this interview with Jill Grunwald about how to really build an organically growing health coaching business. <laughs> Hi, Jill. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me. I wonder if you could start off by telling us a little bit about what your business is and how you got into it. So I'm a nutrition coach.
1: That's the short title, I guess, but I prefer to call myself a
0: functional nutrition and
1: hormone coach. We primarily focus on hormonal imbalances for women, including autoimmunity. So there's a tight relationship between the immune system and hormones. And i it was really because of my own journey that I got into these specific areas, which we can talk more about if you want to. But we focus on primarily Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism, and also adrenal dysfunction, PCOS, metabolic syndrome, diabetes, prediabetes, alopecia, which is autoimmune hair loss, and perimenopause menopause.
0: So are you working with local clients in Minneapolis or do you do stuff online as well?
1: online as well. We work
0: with people all over the world. It's great fun. <laughs> awesome. So one of the reasons I wanted to have you on actually is because I like your philosophy of building your business slow and steady and not getting all swept up into to the online hype. So I'm curious if you can just tell us a little bit about how your business has evolved. Like did you always start doing things online or did you start in person? Like how has this played out for you?
1: Yeah, so I started in person. And I was teaching some classes locally. I started out teaching some free classes, you know, like they teach you in school. And then I started charging for classes and getting good class attendance. And, you know, many of those people ended up becoming clients. Yeah, I I say I started local because most of my clients when I was first starting out were local. But I quickly moved to phone and Skype counseling I decided from the onset of my career in nutrition coaching that I was going to take the slow and steady wins the race approach versus, and not that I'm speaking disparagingly at all of this approach of going out and doing all these different courses and classes for how to grow quickly and how to make six figures in six months. Like It just didn't really resonate with me. And and again, I'm not saying that it's wrong or bad or that. You know people who go that route are are doing it the wrong way. I'm not saying that at all. I just felt like, and part of it too, I have to say is that I was on my own learning curve still you know i not too long after I graduated from school, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, and I never really planned on making hormonal imbalances and autoimmunity the focus of my practice. But it was because of my own journey, and I just thought, you know I gotta figure this out for myself first before I can then educate other people. So it was this process, this this unfolding. And because our hormones are so inextricably linked with one another, what started out as focusing on the thyroid and you know autoimmune hypothyroidism, which is Hashimoto's, over the next couple of years blossomed into knowledge of a lot of other hormonal imbalances because everything works together. So I would say I've become known for Hashimoto's, but I can now speak to and educate people about a lot of other different autoimmune conditions and hormonal imbalances. Now, mm-hmm.
0: when you were first getting started, did you know you wanted to specialize in thyroid or did that kind of evolve over time?
1: It evolved because of my own diagnosis.
0: Yeah. So it was. I was about two years
1: in when I got my diagnosis of Hashimoto's. So I'd been coaching and, and writing and teaching for about two years.
0: So one of the things that comes up a lot is you have to pick a target market, right? That's something we hear a lot when you're, people are just getting started. So I'm curious, did you notice a difference in your business from when you were just being more of general nutrition coach versus when you started specializing in thyroid or how did that work? Yes,
1: absolutely, I did. And I wasn't setting out to like define my niche. I mean, that was always in the back of my head. You know, like I knew the importance of it But I was waiting for, I guess, the right inspiration versus like going out and picking something to be my niche. And so my diagnosis was like the perfect guidance, so to speak, or the perfect path for me to define my niche. And the nice thing about it for me personally, my personal health, is that because I've made Hashimoto's and autoimmunity the primary focus of my coaching practice, I continue to learn so much from my clients that helps me personally. So the journey of working with other people has made me healthier,
0: <laughs> you know. Mhm. Which is so important too because you want to be you want to be setting a good example, walking your talk as it were, right? You don't you don't want to be telling people to do things that you're not able to do yourself. So that it the fact that it all ties together makes it really really makes sense.
1: Yes. And to be and to answer your question just very quickly, a little more specifically, the question about when I transitioned from being more general to Hashimoto's, did I see a shift in my practice? And the, the answer is definitely yes. When I was more of a generalist, I was working with people around just whole foods education and uh, weight loss and maybe a little bit of hypoglycemia because I, I had... Struggled a little bit with my blood sugar going back many years. Nothing major, nothing like pre diabetes. But some of the feedback I was getting was, well, you're not overweight and you've never been overweight. So, I mean, no one was being that direct and saying, like, who are you to teach us about this because you've never had it yourself? No one was saying it in those words. But I got some feedback of, like, you've never really struggled with this. So, how can you help me? Or, in other words, they were wanting someone who had walked in their shoes. So once I got my diagnosis of Hashimoto's and I walked in those shoes and I've heard many, many times over the years, I wanted to work with you because you've lived this. You've been diagnosed just like me. You've had some of the same symptoms as me. You were able to reverse the condition like I want to be able to do. So having walked in someone's shoes is important to people.
0: Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that because I think that's a That's definitely a consideration and also a fear that wellpreneurs have. And it can be quite hard to pick your target market. And I think what you're saying is just see, I mean, like what's worked for you is just see what's showing up in your own life. And maybe those are the people you can really connect to and you can help them while helping yourself too. Yeah. So I want to talk a bit about writing. And I think this ties into, so you said that people really resonate with the fact that you've also worked on healing your thyroid. So how have you shared that story? Because I imagine, well, I don't know, do you just tell people? Have you been writing about it? Like do you talk about it? Like how how is it that you can make that connection to draw those people in that that relate to your thyroid struggles?
1: Around that writing topic, there's two things.
0: First,
1: being able to communicate effectively through your words is critical. And the second part of it is getting people to read those words. And I know that a lot of health coaches who are just starting out struggle with getting eyes on their website or getting eyes on their content because it is becoming a more crowded market. And one of the best pieces of advice I can give anyone who's just starting out or maybe people who aren't just starting out, who just want more exposure. And I've in various interviews related to business building and how I built my practice, I've I've said this in every interview, which is Try to write for another outlet, whether it's a blog or even a local magazine that your grocery store puts out, like anything, even if they don't have a budget to pay you, because you will get more eyes on your work and your business and what how you help people. So when I first started out, I was really focused on putting out good quality writing for like my website copy and my own blog. But I wrote for various magazines and blogs for no pay. I mean, I say pay with air quotes, right? Like they weren't giving me money, but what it was giving me was a lot of exposure. And it was invaluable. It was completely foundational to really getting my business off the ground in a really healthy and substantive way that felt very good to me. It felt very organic. It felt very authentic. You know, I'm providing a service by writing these articles. They're well-researched. They're, you know, I put a lot of thought and effort into them. It was very rewarding for me. And then to get feedback that, oh, I saw your BPA article on such and such magazine, and it was so great. And now we've gotten all the plastics out of our house. And, you know, many of my, many, many of those readers became clients. So that was my path. I'm not saying it's the path, but writing has really been like this rock solid foundation for my business and continues
0: to be to this day. Okay. So we have this idea of writing for other publications. So a common mistake I see people making is when they're just starting out, they just keep writing on their own blog. And like, unfortunately, nobody's reading it. <laughs> You're just getting started, right? right. You don't right. have any readers. So your point is very well taken, like write for places where your potential clients might read it. So how did you decide, like, what topics to write about? Like, were they, I mean, because I guess you want to tie the topics into your business, right? And then also, what were you doing to kind of direct people back to you at the end of that? Can you talk about how that worked for you?
1: Yeah, so with some of the publications I was writing for, they had monthly themes. Like, Three of them had a monthly theme. So I could pick the topic within that theme. So oftentimes what I was writing about was not necessarily hypothyroidism or adrenal health. Autoimmunity. It was more like the health benefits of asparagus, or the berry bounty of July, or whatever the the topic was. A lot of them were centered more around like local foods, like the whole foods, local foods, sustainable foods movement. But my byline would always say, you know, Jill Grunwald of Healthful Elements is a holistic nutrition and hormone coach, et cetera, et cetera. And often, yeah. And my my byline would also say something along the lines of she primarily focuses on hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's so I was writing about things that may not necessarily have been specifically related to hormones and autoimmunity but my byline would direct people to my website and I was also able to share those articles on my website so I would say like at the top of the post it would say originally published in such and such publication and I would link back to them So they were linking to me and I was linking to them. And for whatever reason, my SEO, my search engine optimization skyrocketed with really no effort on my part. I didn't even know what SEO was. And I found out that I was ranking pretty high on Google, mostly because my name was in all these different places. And, you know, Google's algorithms have changed over the years and, you know, I don't know what criteria they use now for high ranking, but even though I wasn't necessarily writing about the thyroid or the adrenals or perimenopause, I ranked high in Google. And, and again, I, I didn't pay anybody to optimize me. I didn't, like I said, I didn't even know what it was until someone pointed it out to me. So that cross-pollinization is really,
0: really effective. So take us back to like the first time you were thinking about writing an article for somebody, because I know, I, I know, because I hear it all the time from Wellpreneurs in the community that they're like, well, how do I even go about writing for a magazine? Or why would they ever let me write for the magazine? Like, I've never done this before. So how did you get started with that? You know, like, how, how have you pitched, you know, in the beginning, how are you pitching yourself to write for these publications?
1: Yeah, so this is funny. Actually, my first magazine I didn't pitch, and I'll try to make this a very quick story. So when I was part of a local sustainable foods volunteer-based group, a member and a friend of that group was starting an online magazine. He said, hey, I have this idea that each of us writes a monthly article about a local food that happens to be in season at that time. And we'll just rotate, you know, we'll all take a different topic each month. And my blood ran cold. I'm like, what? You want me to write something that's going to be online? <laughs> I, I, it scared me. And I wrote it and he loved it. And he said, you know, you're actually one of the best writers I have for my magazine. And would you be interested? Would you consider writing you as a health coach, writing a monthly piece? For my magazine, in addition to what we were already doing around the local foods, and again, I was kind of shaking in my shoes, and I just thought well sure i I guess so and then an editor of another magazine saw my writing in my friend's magazine, and she asked me to write for her magazine and then another magazine slash blog asked me to start writing for them, so it just snowballed out of this one friend saying, "Hey." I'm starting this online magazine and I want you to do some writing. And it, it started from there and it just snowballed. And since then, I've had a feature article in my favorite health magazine, which is Experience Life magazine. So I was able to write a feature health article for them that you know came out in print. And that catapulted my business to a whole other stratosphere. So it grew very organically.
0: Yeah, I love that because you're not talking about, you're not like pushing and striving and trying to get published in like Oprah magazine right off the bat. <laughs> you know, you're just like, what I love about this approach is you're seeing what shows up. This stuff, these things show up for you. And then you say yes to the opportunities and move forward. And, you know, you never know where these, where your leads or where your traction is going to come from because, like you said, you were part of that local food cooperative and that's what got it started. And now, I'm sure with all of these, you know, now that you can say you've written for all these publications, now when you pitch yourself to write someplace, it's much easier to get accepted. So, I think the the lesson there is just start with what's showing up for you. You don't have to go for the biggest magazine right off the bat.
1: Yes, absolutely. And one of my favorite, her name is Elizabeth Marshall, she actually helps people get books published. But one of the things that she had said was start where you are, you know, and I just love that really simple mantra of don't try to get ahead of yourself, basically. And like you said, I would never, I mean, sure, it would be great to write for Oprah magazine someday, but I don't feel like I'm in a position to to pitch them even now. Uh, And maybe I'm selling myself short, but yeah, start where you are. And she also talked about consistency and faithfulness. Being consistent and faithful in your business and just starting where you are and letting things unfold. And I love what you said about, I don't remember exactly how you put it, but just allowing things to show up. And that's what makes this journey of entrepreneurialism magical and fun. And (laughs) there's never a dull moment if you're open to what shows up versus trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. I see a lot of people trying to fit a square peg into a round hole which ends up kind of making them want to beat their head against the wall a
0: little bit. Like it's not, do you mean, you mean like trying to make their businesses something that's not yeah. right for them?
1: Not necessarily not right for them. Cause I don't know what's right or not right for someone, but just trying to be successful in what is becoming um, an increasingly crowded market. And I don't want to sound like a curmudgeon or I don't want to be a naysayer. It is becoming a more crowded market, but I don't remember what the statistic was. One of my health coach friends published it recently that you don't have to worry about it becoming a crowded market because there's like one, if you take all the health coaches in the world, there's one health coach per like tens of thousands of people or something like that. I don't remember what the numbers are, but I'm in a couple of health coach communities online and there are quite a few people in there who are either recent graduates or they've graduated from school in the last, say, 3 to 4 years and they're struggling you know and it's it's heartbreaking and I don't have all the answers I would never say to them do it my way or hey start writing and you'll be successful but it's it is heartbreaking and I I find that a lot of them are kind of um to use sort of an industry phrase they kind of have uh, bright shiny object syndrome where they're signing up for all these different programs and classes and how to do this and how to do that which is great and I've I've participated in plenty of those myself, but at some point you have to do the work, you know, really get the clients and start building that social proof. Because if you don't have the social proof and, you know, the testimonials and people who are willing to talk about you and talk about how effective
0: it was to work with you, it can be a struggle. I think what I'm hearing from you is that you have a mindset that you're in it for the long haul. So you're not just like, I'm going to do this in six months. And if not, I'm bailing out and I'm doing something else. You're, this is what you're doing, right? And so then it's okay that it's slow sometimes because you're still taking steps in the right direction and you're seeing growth in that direction.
1: Yes. And one of my good friends and colleagues, Julia Sarver, we have talked about how a lot of people are giving up because there are coaches and programs out there that are very bright and shiny they're bright shiny objects that say things like six figures in six months or they're they're making claims that I feel like are it may not work for everybody and so there's a lot of frustration in the health coach community of well I didn't make six figures in six months so what's wrong with me I'm doing something wrong I'm doing something wrong what's wrong with me why wasn't I able to achieve this? I bought the program and I, I did what they told me to do, but I didn't make six figures in six months. And people get dejected. And that's kind of why I've stepped back from some of that. I call it the Internet dream. I just I find some of that type of marketing or those types of programs to be somewhat disingenuous and maybe that's a strong statement and I don't want to you know offend anybody by saying that because I'm sure there are people who've gone from zero to six figures in six months I think that they're probably the minority and you've got this majority of people who are unable to make that leap and then they're hard on themselves and many people are giving up because
0: I think there's a lot of false promises out there so what would you say to those people? Because I think I think a lot of people in the audience will resonate with that, that they feel frustrated that their business isn't growing faster.
1: For me personally, and for a lot of my friends and colleagues, you have to build that foundation of knowledge. You can't just go out and read a couple of books and then turn around and regurgitate that information and sell it to a bunch of people. I mean, you could, yes, you could do that. But what is the quality of the content really going to be? So for someone who's Fresh out of school. I'm not saying that they don't know anything, especially when a lot of people who end up going to nutrition school and doing these programs they have a history prior to school of learning, as did I. It was all self-taught, but I mean I was infinitely interested in herbs and food and nutrition many years before I went to school. So I'm not saying you know a lot of people end up in school with this vast knowledge base already. but for me, Kind of going back to what I was saying earlier about I had to live it. I had to do it and I had to live it. And I had to teach it to a few people before I felt comfortable launching a group program where, you know, it's the one-to-many business model versus the one-to-one business model. And that's another thing that makes me a little bit of an outlier in this community is that I am still doing one-on-one coaching. It's not in vogue (laughs) really to be doing one-on-one coaching anymore. I know that there are people out there who do it, but so many people who are doing one-on-one coaching have moved to groups, which is a fantastic business model because like I said, you're no longer working one-to-one, you're working one-to-many. I know that, you know, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but that's where the real money is, is in these in these groups and the one-to-many business model. I am still doing one-on-one coaching. Am I doing anything that is one-to-many? yes. But I am still doing the coaching,
0: and several people have said to me, "You're one of the only people who's still doing coaching." I think that's a really good point because I think when you're just starting out, that one-to-one work is what's teaching you what's working. So, Absolutely. like, you need Absolutely. to be working with people closely enough that you can actually see if your system's working. You can't just make a system and have it be totally untested, right? I mean, that's then. I mean, that just doesn't make sense. So I think the one-to-one work there makes a lot of sense to really hone your system. And then over time, you can expand into a group program in addition to one-on-one if you want. I'm, I'm curious, can you share with us, like, what does your business look like now? Because I know you have a business partner and you're still doing one-on-one, but you've got groups. So can you kind of paint us a picture of what the different components are now?
1: Well, it's been an interesting last few years because I embarked on writing a cookbook back in late 2012 and all kinds of crazy things have happened since then in my personal life. And just like both my parents passed away and my brother passed away. And my husband and I adopted a baby during that time. Like it was just like this crazy few years. And so I didn't feel, so I was, I've been working on my book, which has been a very fulfilling and fun, but also excruciating process. And because of all the stuff that was going on in my life, I did a couple of times, but I didn't feel comfortable regularly scheduling group classes because my dad was getting ready to pass away. Then my mom was getting ready to pass away and then my brother was getting ready to pass away. And I was traveling every few weeks and I didn't feel like I was in a place where I could do any groups because my schedule was so unpredictable. I am launching my first group this spring and Lainey, my co-coach is also launching a group. So to answer your question more specifically, I've been working on my book really hard and there's been a lot of ups and downs, a lot of fits and starts, but I've been working very hard on my book and really primarily focusing on -on one-on-one coaching, which I would say, if I could say this really quickly, I'm really tired of Hearing people say you can't make money at one-on-one coaching, I'm here to tell you that you can. You have to be a master at what you do. You have to be, you can't just go out and read some books about whatever it is that you want to teach people about. Kind of going back to what we were saying a couple of minutes ago, you need to be working with people in order to have the breadth of knowledge and the depth of knowledge to be a really effective coach.
0: Ooh, I so, want to talk about this because there was just yeah. this super heated thread. Well, I don't know if heated is the right word, but in our Facebook group, we've got almost 1,800 Wellpreneurs in there. And there was a thread just recently where somebody was saying, I really don't believe you can make a living at this. Like everyone, there's you know a few super successful people running these big group programs, but like where are the coaches that are actually making a living doing health coaching one-on-one? So okay, the tell one-on-one. them. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, here's the thing. If you're a master, what? and I'm not saying master in a self-congratulatory way, like, oh, I'm a master. I'm not saying that. If you have mastered material, if you have mastered your niche or your area of practice, you can charge a lot of money. I mean, it's not cheap to work with me, and my conversion rate is high. My conversion rate is, when I say conversion, I charge $150 for a jumpstart session, So people pay me to have a one-off, you know, like an introductory session. And it is a coaching session. A lot of experts out there will say, don't coach in those sessions. Just ask questions. You know, don't do any coaching. And to that I say, BS, I if I'm gonna be charging somebody $150, I'm going to be doing some coaching during that session. And I take a very small amount of time at the end of that conversation to tell them what it looks like to move forward with me and my conversion rate is very high. I mean, if I were to just, so, so once my book gets published and the dust settles from all of that, if I were just to go back to coaching full time and not doing any groups, I would make a very nice income.
0: I don't know. I think because a lot of the groups online tend to be filled. Well, the vast majority of people are just getting out of school or aren't really like you know, are just thinking they're going to have a push button business or something. So just based on the numbers in any group of business owners, more people aren't going to be making it right. So I think people can get really bogged down in the group of like just being around other people that are struggling. And I think if you lift your head up and look around, like there are wellness entrepreneurs making a good living doing this. And maybe they're not hanging out in the groups because they're actually out there doing the work. Right. And I'm, I'm in two groups. And
1: they're both led by friends and colleagues of mine. And I hear a lot of the despair and I don't want to sound boastful or like I said, I don't want to be self-congratulatory, but I can easily make six figures and and, I mean, multiple six figures doing coaching. Now I have to offer a caveat, which is that would be quite a bit of coaching. Like I could easily make more than a hundred thousand dollars if I wanted to focus solely on coaching. To do, say, 200,000 or more, I could do it, but I don't want to be working with that many people one-on-one at one time. Like, I have a cap of how many people I'm willing to work with at a time. So does that cap my income to some degree? Yes, but I'm very happy with my income, and I do have a few items in my online store that provide me with passive income. And last. Gosh, it's been over a year ago. La so it was January late January or early February of 2016. I just repackaged a group class that I had previously taught, like six months prior to that. You know, made it. I I bundled two online programs that I had taught, bundled them and made uh, put them on sale, and I sold a ton of them. So that was a really nice chunk of money. And I made some very minimal updates to those materials, but not much. I maybe spent like half a day kind of fluffing and refreshing some of the material, but I just repackaged it and put out an email. And so to answer your question more specifically, I am doing mostly one-on-one coaching right now, but that has been largely due to what's been going on in my life the last four years. And I am doing more groups going forward. Like. One this spring and probably one in the fall. And Lainey's also doing a couple. So Lainey, my co-coach, she's doing two group classes this year. And then I sell quite a few of my thyroid ebooks through my website. I also have a Hashimoto's hypothyroidism home study course and I don't push those. Honestly, I don't market them. I don't, I don't ever talk about them really, but I probably should. But people just find them on my website. And so that's a really nice source of of passive income for me. Yeah. So I'm getting my feet back into doing um, group classes this year after a hiatus.
0: I'm curious if you can share back when you were first getting started, or you can share right around the time you made the pivot to the thyroid. But how did you find your first clients for that one-on-one coaching? Classes, teaching those free classes. So like giving so I, a workshop someplace. Yeah, workshops. Uh-huh. And then what was, what did you do then to actually so you give a workshop and then kind of what was the process you used to then get clients out of that?
1: I didn't do that thing where I would pitch them at the end of the class. I would just teach the class, you know, and and then I would have a sign up sheet, just a good old-fashioned clipboard <laughs> with a sign up sheet and I would just say if you'd like to get on my newsletter You know, please give me your name and email, and I won't spam you, and I'm not going to email you every day. And I was just very loose about it, very casual and loose. But people would often walk up to me after class with questions, you know, and I would just say, you know, if you want to talk to me more about this, you know, we could do like a free introductory session. So this was back when I was doing free introductory sessions, and it just went from there. So honestly, it was those classes. So that was, let's see, 2006, 2007. And then it was early 2008 when I started writing for my friends' magazine, and then my writing grew. So it it very quickly transitioned from classes into writing. And once I started writing, and well, I had more clients at that time too. So I was writing for various publications, and I I, all, I had to write something each month, which doesn't sound like that was super often. But I was also still working at this time. I was doing my health coaching evenings and weekends and my clientele was growing plus I was writing for these outlets and it got to be a lot and so eventually I was able to leave my job because my my clientele had grown and I was I was doing more even more writing so it really all started with the classes working with clients and then later not too much later transitioning into the writing and I got a lot more clients from the writing than I did the classes
0: and well, that's because probably, I mean, how many people can come to a class, 20 or 30, whereas the right. writing could be read by thousands of people?
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Well, Jill, this has been really, really helpful. I think a lot of people listening will find it so encouraging that it's like a, just a different approach to this, like, push, 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 go, go, be super successful in six months, like all that stuff. It's really refreshing. Uh, I'm wondering if you could share, like, if you could go back in time and give yourself some advice or tell yourself something you needed to hear when you were just getting started, what would you say?
1: Hmm.
0: Oh, that's a great question. What would I say to myself
1: when I was first getting started? Um, this is going to take longer than you think. That's what I would say. But I don't know that I would go back and change anything. You know, I'm happy with the trajectory, but looking back after 10 years, it's like, oh yeah, this it took longer than I anticipated to get where I wanted to be.
0: And now looking back, you could probably see, well, I could have like saved some time here or taken a shortcut here, but you don't know that. going. I mean, you know, that's hindsight. And I think, you know, it is the journey is everyone's on their own journey and, and sometimes it just takes longer than you want it to. And that's okay. You end up there in the end. Yeah. Yeah. So I know you've got, because you guys, you do so much writing in your business, and there's been quite a bit of interest around that. I know you mentioned that you're creating something for wellness entrepreneurs around writing. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so this also happened very organically.
1: So Lainey Bergeson, who's my co-coach with Health for was a 15-year health researcher and journalist prior to joining me. And when she joined me, we we did not <laughs> have any intention of of necessarily serving the practitioners community. But what happened was partly because of her, the colleagues that she worked with in her prior life as a health journalist, and also people within the health elements community have been coming to us or coming to her and saying, Hey, you know, I know that you were a health writer, health journalist, and now you're a coach. Would you look at my website copy? Would you consider letting me pay you to ghostwrite my blog posts? Would you proofread this? Could I pay you to edit this? And Lainey's answer was always, well, thank you, but no. And then one day, Lainey and I were sitting at my dining room table and I said, you know, there's a lot of demand for this. And I'm wondering if maybe we should serve her practitioners' community. And so she is launching a program called Health Writer Studio April 11th, which is, um, and this interview, Amanda, is this is coincidental. I, I don't want, to sound like I'm selling her program, but I I want to mention it and I had your permission to mention it because I think it could be really helpful for people. So it's how to write and how to write for health. It's going to cover everything from the basics of grammar and punctuation all the way up to how to write in the functional medicine language, because she and I are both enrolled in the Institute for Functional Medicine's um, coaching academy. And she had a lot of exposure with the Institute for Functional Medicine as a health journalist. So it's going to cover everything, I mean, from A to Z, including one thing that you mentioned earlier in this interview, which is how do I pitch a magazine? Well, she's been on the receiving end of those pitches. She's been the person pitched (laughs) to, So she knows what makes a good pitch and what doesn't. And so it's, like I said, it's going to cover everything from grammar and punctuation all the way up to how to write a pitch for a magazine, how to write as a health professional, like some health-specific language. And she's just a master at what she does. So she is still health coaching. She is working with Healthful Elements coaches. But she's launching this program on April 11th. And she also writes a really great blog, which is just, of course, free to any practitioners. So if you go to healthfulelements.com, up in the upper right hand corner, there's a little section that says for practitioners. You could just click on that and see her blog posts that support the health coach community. So she's offering other free resources outside of Health Writer Studio. So we write to our practitioners community about once every three weeks. So it's not, we're not going to bombard anybody with information or splatter them with posts.
0: Awesome. Thank awesome. you very much. So where, I know you've got your book coming out and I guess everyone can find everything at healthfulelements.com, but is there any, any other place people should reach out and get in touch with you?
1: Well, there's the contact page on our website. You're always welcome to reach out to us that way. And essential thyroid cookbook is published on September 19th of this year. And if people are in, I just want to say if people are interested in health writer's studio we're doing a free class um that's prior to the launch she's doing a free class i'm sorry i'm blanking out on the date but if you go to that four practitioners section of our site in the upper right hand corner there's a specific sign up there where you'll get our every three week blog posts but also if someone just wants to take part in that basic free class that she's offering then by all means, you know, we would love to have anyone and everyone in this community, a part of that free class. You don't have to sign up for the rest of the program, of course.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Jill, for your time and for sharing, especially about how writing has helped to grow your business. I think that's really, it's really going to be inspiring for people. So thanks so much for being here. Thank you. I
1: really appreciate the opportunity.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur podcast. As always, we'll have all the links in the show notes at wellpreneuronline.com. And don't forget that you can now get the paperback version of my book, Wellpreneur, The Ultimate Guide for Wellness Entrepreneurs to Nail Your Niche and Find Clients Online. That's available on amazon.com and all the country Amazons, actually. Just go on there and search for Wellpreneur. And until next week, I will connect with you in our Facebook group, The Wellpreneur Community. I hope you have a fantastic week and I will see you back here next week with the next episode.